Hello and welcome to the Essendon People Podcast, an unofficial Essendon Football Club supporter podcast. Hosted by Brendan and Mark, Essendon People is a podcast for those who live and breathe Aussie rules and the Mighty Bombers. From the casual fan to the hardcore supporter, if you have the red and black in your heart, then Essendon People is the podcast for you. Thank you for joining us. Let's Let's start start the pod. pod. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Essendon People podcast, our round 24 review of the game against Collingwood and our 2023 season review now that the, the year is finished. And Brendan, a big milestone for the pod. We run through the banner. We might get cheered off after the episode. And um, fittingly, episode 100 is reviewing a bit of a disastrous end to the season, uh, which ironically is kind of how the, how the podcast was born. Yes, yes, ironically, but uh, true to form, the uh, the rabble have, uh, have dropped us in a <laughs> in a milestone game where we, we seem to always uh, do poorly in a milestone game, and they've set us up for a uh, a pretty poor one tonight. So we won't spend a hell of a lot of time on the game, but we will cover it quickly because I guess it leads into discussion about the season and, and maybe a bit of venting on on where we're at. So it was Essendon. Three goals, 13-31. That's, that's not a quarter-time score. That's our full-time score. To Collingwood, 16-5-101. So we lost by 70 points. We'll never in this game. Um, and it was just a full capitulation. Improvement, though. You're looking on the positive side. We did better than last week. So you can only improve upon your last performance, in which case we've bested it by 56 points or whatever it was. But... Still an absolute disaster. Just from the outset, kick 13 behinds. Right, that's that's a big number, especially when you're only kicking three goals, Mark. Yeah, it's it's not good. And, you know, they kicked 8-1 in the first quarter. So they've kicked a score of 49 in the first quarter. And we've only managed two behinds. So uh, it was halfway through the second quarter, it seemed like we weren't going to have actually have a goal on the board by half time, But it's... Um, yeah, and, and in all honesty, I I didn't attend this game in person and I turned it off before quarter time. I was it made me sick the uh the effort that they came out with after getting absolutely poleaxed by GWS when the season was on the line. And um I'm I'm not all that embarrassed to say that I turned it off and I think there's only so much that a that a supporter can take. Yeah, well the fact that they've uh, they've outscored us in one quarter. And not only just outscored us, absolutely brained us in um, in one quarter. Than what we did all game is, you know, pretty pretty pathetic. Um, going into you know the quarter by quarter stuff, nine scoring shots to two, five scoring shots to four. So at halftime, bit fourteen scoring shots Collingwood to our six. We've managed to kick two four sixteen and they're twelve to seventy four. And, you know, the fact that we're not even getting shots on goal, but then our conversion is just pathetic. You have six shots on goal and you only convert it at 33%. Well, what hope do you really have? I mean, had we hold, held them scoreless after half time, we, we still would have lost by four or five goals. So <laughs> it's, um, it's not all that pretty when you look at it like that. The second half, games like this, you kind of just, you know it's over at halftime, but you kind of hope that the old-fashioned bake happens at halftime and the coach gets stuck into them and they come out firing. And it's fair to say that didn't 
eventuate. The third quarter, we kicked 0-6. So we generated some opportunities, but a conversion of 0% is never going to get you anywhere. So it was 0-6 uh, to their 2-1-13. We lost the quarter by seven points, which was nearly worthy of singing the song at the end of the third quarter, only going down by, by goal at the end of the third quarter. But, but the total uh, lead to Collingwood was 65 points still at the last break. Even if we had a converted at a pretty poor 50%, we would have won that quarter, right? Let alone if we had a, if we had a kick six straight, we're back into it, right? So to, to not to have a 0% conversion, it's, it's laughable, honestly. It's not until you sit there and actually look after a, a couple of days after when all this kind of stings taken out of it. Like we're doing this on Tuesday night, so we've had yeah. two more days to kind of get accustomed to it. Just looking at the stats raw, it's just it's just amazing. And it, it's interesting you highlight that. As the best thing about this game was that it was on Friday night. I went to bed, woke up on Saturday morning, and just acted as if the football season was over. And the, the other games took its place, and eventually people sort of stopped talking about it. So that was the best thing about the game, which is which is disappointing to say. And the uh, the last quarter there, we kicked one three nine to their 2 two fourteen. So lost the quarter by five points. I guess if if anything, you could say in the second half, you know, we, we only lost the half by by uh, two goals, but I don't know how much of that's put down to maybe Collingwood putting a queue in the rack. A lot of players know that they're, you know, on the verge of playing finals and want to hold their spots and, and um, not do a, a little injury or something like that leading into. So I think that second half is probably more a result of Collingwood taking the foot off the gas than, than uh, Essendon turning it on. We've kicked 15 points from 10 scoring shots and a half football. To kick, we kicked nine behinds. <laughs> like, this is a side that's been pumped by 126, 21 goals, or whatever it was last week, right? And they couldn't or wouldn't or didn't care enough to pride in their own performance to actually get back into it. Like, Collingwood, they blew away in that first quarter, but you look at the rest of the game, they didn't have... You know, the rest of the three quarters, they essentially matched what they did in that first quarter. And we've had 15 shots at goal. More. And to not to not impact is ridiculous. I think that was the most disappointing thing from a supporter or fan point of view was just, you know, after a big defeat against GWS. And, and you know, I don't think either of us expected that we would play finals at the outset of this year. And there was maybe a part during the middle of the year where we were like, gee, we're close here. But I think as the season went on and, and the form wavered, we were, we were thinking to ourselves, well, maybe it's better if we don't make finals. So I think that aside, the most pleasing thing for the first half of the year was that we were competitive in all games. You know, we might have lost to Geelong and had a poor first quarter, but we still only went down by five goals. And we might have lost to Port Adelaide, you know, over there, but we only went down by you know, five points or whatever it was. And we were competitive in games. And that's something that we hadn't really seen consistently from an Essendon side in a while. And then after the buy, that dropped away. And I guess we'll talk about that a bit later on. But I think the most disappointing thing in isolation on last Friday night was a full lack of effort after being completely embarrassed by GWS the week before in one of the heaviest losses of the season. I think just to come out and to not respond at all. You know, if, if we ended up, you know, getting beat by... 
you know, six, seven, eight goals or whatever, but we were in it and they were just too good and ran away. We were a couple of goals a quarter, better side, but we just got absolutely blown away in the first 10 minutes and a lack of application is, is all you can put that down to. That's purely player and coach responsibility. I say I say coach should say coaches, so players and coaches' responsibility. How can you get smashed by 21 goals? The fifth biggest loss in the 151 years of the football club and come out and kick two behinds in the first quarter. Surely you come out breathing absolute fire. You've worked up all week. You've got to right this wrong, right? We've got to show we're, no, we're not pushovers. Connor, a good side. We've got to come out and just give them absolutely everything. And if if we if we tire at three-quarter time, they kick away in the last, you know, so be it. But we just absolutely throw everything that we have in that first quarter. We we attack the ball. We attack the man. We knock guys over. You know, we just hunt in packs. Like what, you know, win that Melbourne game, that dream time. That's what we did. I think that was the game that kind of set us all up with a false hope. As in, oh, my God, you know, the new coaches had a chance to embed a game plan. There was multiple players tackling at every contest. And the next contest, there was multiple players that are running both ways. And it was like, I, I haven't seen this in, in years. I can't, and we managed to do it for one game. And then we didn't see it for the rest of the year. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the word push over there. And that is a pretty good way of describing, I guess, what Essendon's become over the last you know, 10, 15 years. And, and this is a long-term thing now. It's not it's not a two-year thing that they seem to be able to snap out of. Like The club has a soft underbelly, which is a term that we've used on the podcast before, and there's no backbone there and there's no accountability, it seems, either. You can, you can roll out, put in whatever level of performance you want, get your paycheck and go on your footy trip at the end of the year. So... That, that needs to change, that culture and that mentality needs to change. And until it does, we're just destined for an eternity of mediocrity. It's culture and mentality. You're 100% right there, Mark, because if it was under if it was a certain playing group, under a certain coach, certain personnel, you could understand. But how many coaches we've had? We've had Knights, Hurdy, Bomber, Hurdy again, or Woosher, Rutten, and now Scott. You know, how many players? It would have been 150 players in that 15 years, right? How many assistant coaches, you know, presidents, CEOs, heads of footy? It's the same thing happens year on year. Right? I don't know. How can it be that different playing groups, different coaches all come through the club and the same issue remains? It's, I don't understand it. We've even upgraded the training facilities in that time. Like literally no stone has been left unturned, it seems, in trying to cycle through these things at the club and to be getting the same result, it, it begs to differ. Like, well, what are you doing wrong? There's, there's something so far ingrained at this club and it seems like, I don't know whether it's, did this start post-saga, pre-saga? You know, are, are we just too light on? Is that another excuse? I, I think we're all getting sick of the excuses as well. It's 10 years ago now. Like, as you said, it's been 15 years of just absolutely nothing despite all these changes and just promise after promise. I think it's only today I got an email, you know, from the club, which was the president's email and similar to, you know, 12 months ago or whatever. And it's this long email and I just skimmed over it and I just saw, you know, thanks to fans and this is your club and it's off for you and all. I didn't even read it. I'm like, There's been so many words and so many promises that, 
I don't care anymore. It's it's all about actions, and we're not going to get the opportunity now to see any of these actions until next year. So it's just going to leave another bit of taste in our mouth where we've given some false hope, and then take it is taken away from us. And I'm not saying that Essendon fans are expecting you know, finals appearances or, or necessarily final wins or even premierships at this stage. I think all we're asking for is some effort. It's as simple as that. I don't, I don't care if we don't make the eight. As long as we have a crack and put in some good effort, I was happy as anyone first half of the year because we were actually trying and we looked, we looked like we had a different motive. But we've gone back to old habits, it seems. Well, that's all right, Mark. You can be rest assured that you can get some video from a player after the room that doesn't want to actually do the video and they can talk to you about how they're feeling hurt and they're really upset that they, you know, got blown away again and oh, there was really tough words spoken in, in the rooms afterwards and we want to we want to get out of this and, you know, like, what the? Why does it take to round 23 to say, oh, we want to change the course of our future? Why couldn't you do that in round one? It's pretty pathetic, really. Like, you think we're not fools. Like, you know, I've said this to you all the time, and and I don't think it gets enough credit externally. We've got a list full of blokes who want to be AFL footballers. I don't want a single AFL footballer on this list, AFL player. I want an Essendon footballer. They want to be AFL players, not Essendon footballers. There's no pride in the jumper. There's no pride in the performance, right? You come in at the start of the year, you, you play your best. Oh, yeah, you lose some, you win some. You go on your trip wherever at the end of the year. They don't, they don't care. And just on the trip, if I see a single photo, video, social media post of a footy trip in the next few weeks, I'm going to spew up. up. <laughs> I'm going to spew up. Yeah, I'm Terry Wallace. <laughs> Honestly, it's uh, I've got full Terry Wallace. It's either Brad Scott or it's uh, one of the leaders, you know, a Merritt or a Redman or a McGrath. Someone like that needs to have pulled everyone in immediately after those couple of losses and said there's no footy trip this year. There's nothing to celebrate. We're going to look like absolute turkeys if we go away and, you know, have a celebration while every other team plays finals. I, I want to see photos of these guys running around the tan and uh, in the gym and, and actually having, you know, it hurt. I'm not saying you can't have a break, but I certainly don't think there's a need to go away for, you know, three weeks and celebrate an absolute non-effort of doing your job. Yeah, well, I guess we could continue with some of the stats for this Collingwood game, Mark, but I reckon I don't care, you don't care, and certainly nobody listening to this cares. So let's just go in into the votes. Um, I'll start with mine. I go five to Zach Merritt, four to Jaden Laverde, three to Nick Bryan, two to Darcy Parrish, and one to Will Setterfield. I went five votes to Zach Merritt, four to Langford, three to Nick Bryan, two to Jaden Laverde, and one to Will Setterfield. So the votes we will tally up. We know the uh, we know the result, and it was pretty close. And uh, these votes were all important, so um, we'll tally up the votes, and we'll maybe do another episode where we award the prestigious Heath Hocking Medal, and um, yeah, talk about I guess players that that rounded through that, and then see how that compares to the Crichton, uh, whenever that might get awarded later on. Ironically, named after a bloke that actually was a passionate Essendon man and actually did try. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the uh, more that people could look to these examples set by Heath Hocking. I think the better we probably are overall. Let's take a break and we'll come back to 
review the season uh, from a high level. We've had our halftime break of the episode, so we're ready to come out and uh, not kick any goals, just convert at 0% for the remainder of this run sheet. So with, with that being said, let's go into uh, a very high-level quick overview of the season as we saw it. So we finished 11th with 11 wins and 12 losses and a percentage of 89.6%. Importantly out of that, I think a lot of people saying, yes, we won more games than last year, and that maybe is considered an improvement, which maybe it is. Um, but we did play... West Coast and North twice as well. Um, I think importantly, the percentage, we've, we've finished with the fourth worst percentage, which to me is maybe a good indicator of where we're actually at in that second half of the season. I, I'd say that we were probably, we were somewhere in the in the four worst sides of the comp. I think if we weren't the worst side in the comp, I think we were definitely the second or third in, in that group. I think Hawthorne had us covered. I think they were a much better side than us at the end of the year. Um, so it's... It's kind of, I guess, fitting that the percentage dropped down, so that is a bit more of a benchmark. So Hawthorne finished 16th with a percentage of 80.2, and that was, I think, largely driven by their starts to the year. North Melbourne finished 17th with 71.5%. You don't really want to be comparing yourself to North Melbourne, who are an even bigger rebel at times than what Essendon are. And then West Coast finished 18th with 53%, and I think everyone understands the, the, the injury crisis that they had there through the year. So uh, I guess with all those words being said, we're pretty much a bottom four side at the end of the year, um, at, at least at the completion of the year. Maybe that doesn't reflect the whole season, but that's where we've ended up. Well, yeah, the fact that last year we had seven wins, this year we've had 11. Uh, last year, I think we were like 86%, and this year we're 89. So 3% difference. You know, we've we've got that four extra wins, but don't forget we played the extra game this year, and one of those wins come in that extra game that, um, gather round against the D's. So really, we've only improved by, what's that, three wins, which is nothing to sneeze at. Like 10 wins, 11 wins is still pretty decent. But I think the fact is that you can't have a percentage of 89 when you're fighting for final spot. <laughs> and I guess that the game against GBOS is the perfect illustration of it was eight, we were in the eight at that stage. It was eight and ninth. We're fighting for a spot, right? Finals on the line, and we've come out and just had our pants pulled down, right? Yeah, fair enough. Connolly was a top of ladders. They beat us, yeah, whatever. But to get done in such a fashion, it, with he had everything to play for. It's not like they didn't have anything. Like okay, against the Collingwood season's done. You've been smashed. You've got nothing to play for. GWH, you actually had something to play for. You had everything to play for. There's no, you could have no bigger thing to try to achieve than to make finals. Uh, and we gave it up. And you talk about some of the percentage, and that goes to the margins. So four goals. We often talk this year, we couldn't quite get over that three to four goal hump. So we won by four goals, five out of the 11 times. But we lost by four goals. Seven out of twelve times, <laughs> All right. and then five goals the same of the of the eleven wins we had three by five goals or more, and we lost six of our twelve by by five goals or more. So half our half our losses were by five goals or more. Same with six goals. Half our losses were by six goals or more, and only two of our wins were by six goals or more. So that's kind of instructive of you just getting over the line in your wins 
and you're getting belted in your losses. Yeah, and it was, I guess you look at, you know, the, the year that we had Hawthorne in round one, we won by 59 points. And, and you mentioned there that best we only won. Year. Best win of the year. Best win of the one. year. We only won twice over over six goals, and that was one of them straight off the bat against um, a pretty unprepared Hawthorne, I felt. So, um, yeah, that was – that's what it was, I guess. And then the other the other win that we had that was over six goals was against West Coast um, in, in round 11 there. Um, so – yeah, I, I, I guess those are the two sides that you would kind of expect those margins. We did have, I guess, we had a few close wins and we had a few close losses. So maybe this levels out, but we did have close losses to Port Adelaide on two occasions um, where we lost by five points and uh, and four points as well. Yeah, but let's, let's be honest there. Both those games, we should have been smashed. That first one, I think they kicked like 29 behinds or some ridiculous number. Right, that should have been the biggest belting of all time. And the Port Adelaide one, we managed to get ourselves in front and obviously the goal after the siren by Dan Houston in the second one is a heartbreaker, but we should have been no right to be in that position in the first place. You know, and our best win, funnily enough, for the year is probably the Tigers one pointer. We should we were dead and buried with like three minutes earlier. Yeah, so but I think, and that's probably an interesting point that you make there about uh, which which ones you deserve to win and which ones you don't. The, the Port Adelaide games, both um, margins under a goal, and as you said, probably both of them lucky to be in it. I think their inaccuracy in that first one and the second one, we somehow clawed our way back into it. There's a Sydney game there within the last six weeks where we lost by two points. Same thing. We we're down by like five goals. We we're down all night and somehow got back into it. The West Coast game that we won by a point in the last month, we were up for the game, but the way we played and they got back within the last minute and hit the front, we, we almost basically deserve to lose that as well. We beat North Melbourne by nine points in the last month and we only beat them by six points earlier in the season. So you could argue that both of those weren't convincing wins either. So all of a sudden, you're, you know, you're, you're 11 wins. If you drop four of those, it's, it doesn't look as good anymore, does it? And then we could have easily dropped you know three or four of those games. As you said, Richmond, we probably... We rolled the dice and got lucky. Um, that that play from end to end, and you know Redmond coming on the ground and, and making the right call and stuff like that. Like if you repeat that a hundred times, you might only get it right three times. Like that that was quite lucky, um, and we're glad it happened because we needed to have a win against Richmond to finally break that curse. But I guess all we're highlighting is, you know, all teams are going to have close wins and close losses, but the close wins that we had, probably a lot of them were not that deserving, and and maybe the. Uh, the 11 wins is maybe inflated a little bit by a bit of luck. Yeah, I think having looked at all the results for the year, the only loss I would say that we were we were probably stiff in was Anzac Day. That was really the only one where I thought we dropped it. We obviously, Laverde come off. They had to push Setterfield to fill the hole down back. We lost a run. Merritt got rubbed out in one of the worst suspensions in the history of any sport ever. Right. Now he copped a week for that. He's still got me beat. You know, the only the only suspension I can think comes close is where Merritt got a week for the for the tap on Silvani, right? Or he broke a rib, I don't know, a calcium deficiency or something to break a rib from that. Like fair income. But um yeah, it's a bit of a but yeah, that's the only real loss. All the other losses I think we were soundly beat. St Kilda, we just didn't turn up. Right. Geelong pumped us early. Hawkins got a hold of us. We talked about the Port Adelaide one. Brisbane got a hold of us. 
having said that, Brisbane, we were the walking wounded at that stage. We could barely field a side. So you might say that was a bit stiff, but they took us. Fremantle one is fairly disappointing. Apart from the two beltings, like I would have said Fremantle was the one that I was most disappointed with in terms of we had an opportunity after the buy fresh to come out and kind of get our season on a bit of a kick towards finals. And we got done by five goals. The Carlton win just before the buy was a good one too. Um, not necessarily the best performance necessarily, but if you come out and beat Carlton, then you're um, you're pretty happy with that. So to beat Richmond and Carlton in, in the same year was uh, was pretty satisfying. Yeah, I think that 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 Carlton one was it was because it was Carlton. They were they were in a bit of a rough spot at the moment. Peter come back, he kicked five. We thought, oh, how good's this? Right, I think. The thing that I, funnily enough, the moment that I really liked was when Merrick kicked that goal at the start of the third and he came and he went straight to Kernow and got stuck into him and, you know, which kind of, because Kernow had kind of done a bit of a tag job on him. So for the captain to kind of lead the way and try to get a bit physical, I really liked it. Right. And I, and so I just wish there was more of that in our side. We often talk about, Mark, how if there's one bloke in the competition, I'd pay. $3 million to get it to be Braid Maynard. <laughs> I'd make him the highest player of all time because we just need what he ha- his attitude more than anything. Because, yes, he's a good player, but his, his aggressiveness, his take-no-prisoners attitude, he's, he's not going to be stood over. You know, he's there, to, he's there to win games of football and have pride in his jumper and stand up for his teammates. And that's what we sorely lack. So let's break down before the buy and after the buy. The, the buy has been talked about kind of as, um, as I guess, the splitting point of our season. And, and obviously the buy falls around halfway naturally, but it really did split the season for us in terms of form. So before the buy, we had played 13 games for eight wins, five losses, and we won by our games by an average of 27.5.25 points, nearly five goals, and we were losing by an average of 21 points. So our losses were... Less than four goals. Uh, our wins were closer to five goals, and we, we were good side of the ledger there, eight and five. After the bye, we played a further 10 games to only win three of them and lose seven. Uh, our average winning margin was just nine points, and our average losing margin after the bye was over 50 points. So, getting comprehensively beaten uh, in those seven games, and of the three games that we won, um, an average winning margin of just nine points. So a huge drop-off in form and a huge turning of the tables. I guess before the buy, you know, that the losing margin there is the one that sticks out to me, 21 points compared to 50. Competitive before the buy, completely uncompetitive after it. Yeah, yeah. And when you look at kind of the uh, the statistical rankings across the competition, we're ranked fifth in the competition for disposals, fifth in kicks, and third in disposal efficiency. So... That, along with being second in marks, so that tells me a couple of things. One, we're kicking the ball a lot more than what we've done the the rutten handball game. So that's obviously been a a change. The fact, I think we've all identified that looks like Brad Scott's using marks to kind of slow the play down, change the thing. So that's obviously going to lead to your kicking being more and it's also going to lead to your disposal efficiency being greater because you're taking unimpeded kicks, not under pressure. You know, rebound 50s, we're fourth in the competition, which is a positive, but 
we're only rebounding the 50 because the ball's getting in there. <laughs> so it's kind of might, might be stat that we've got a lot more opportunity to rebound the ball because there's a lot more ball in there. And, and, and then the, with that, I just saw there that in the next category, you have the, we're, we're ranked 15th in um, inside 50s per game, which means that we're not getting it up much our end. And it's obviously down the other end a lot, which is providing those opportunities to, to bump up the rebound 50 numbers. And we're 16th in inside 50 per game differential, which means that they get the ball in there more than we get in ours. And we're 16th in the competition for that. You know, 12th in points per game, 12th in marks inside 50 per game. I guess it's hard to mark inside 50 if you're not getting the ball inside 50. Same with tackles. We're 14th with tackles inside 50. Hard to tackle inside 50. The ball's not inside 50. We're 16th in tackles overall, which I think is an incredibly damning stat. Like, that's just tackles around the ground. And that just talks to the lack of pressure and work rate. 14th and one percenters. Again, another indication of working hard, doing defensive stuff for your team. Um, yeah, <laughs> what can you say, really? It's um, been pretty poor. Yeah, it's um, the tackles is one that stands out. We, we've met, we mentioned, I reckon, most weeks in this podcast around the tackle numbers and we said a, a, a suitable target should be, you know, one tackle per quarter per player. Um, that's not always going to happen, but that puts you on track to a pretty good number. So if that's... That's, that's 88 tackles a game, right, as a par. And that's just... The, there's no rhyme or reason for that. Like you said, it's just one... you got 25 minutes of football. You, can, you can't impact the ball all the time, but you can apply pressure. And we're averaging 57 so that's a that's a fair difference. <laughs> that's a fair difference. That's thirty one a thirty one different. So that's essentially you know going by our markings, we're playing a a quarter less football. Yeah, and um, I guess in terms of some players that um, that stand out, Darcy Parish uh, featured pretty heavily. Um, you know, he had a quite good year. He missed he missed a chunk of football there through the middle, but he, he featured quite heavily, you know, in the handballs, disposals, uh, clearances as well. He was good. Um, he was pretty good with clangers. He was quite clean this year. He was good in, in um, contested possession as well in the middle. So he had quite a good year. Uh, and I think it's it understated a little bit because of the portion of football that he missed. Um, Brandon Zerk Thatcher was another one that stood out. He led our one percenters and also our intercepts, uh, which I thought was quite good considering that um, players like Ridley had good years as well down there. Um, so that that was that was nice to see. And then Nick Martin uh, featured in, in a couple of areas as well, young player coming through. Kyle Langford obviously popped up there with um, with marks inside fifties and and led the goals uh, as well, which was good. Uh, interestingly, Andrew Phillips let our hit-out averages, um, and he's obviously now departed. So um, we could probably need uh, the next lot there in Sam Draper and, um, and Nick Bryan to stand up because I think Phillips, it's probably nearly fair to say that he, he kind of led us for probably the last two-thirds of the season, I think, in the ruck. Yeah, certainly. We'll, we'll be sorely missed an experienced head and, and being quite durable this year, which is something, you know, with Draper's injury, we, we kind of need. Um, just in terms, that's it for this episode. But I guess just to round it out, a bit of club news that came through yesterday: um, Rhett Montgomery, uh, Alistair Lord, and Kim McBride not offered contracts for next year. So, I guess as supporters and fans, we thank them for their efforts um, at the club and and uh, wish them well in the future. 
Also wanted to say that the All-Australian 40 has been announced. Langford, Merritt and Redmond have been picked in the squad. So um, you think of those, probably Merritt's our best our best shot to get in there. I think he's had a pretty good year. Langford's had a very good year. He's kicked 50 goals in a, in a, in a poor side. So that um, interesting to see what happens with that. And AFLW, Mark, it's, it starts on this Saturday, the 2nd of September, 7.15 at Frankston against the Hawks. So hopefully we can do the Hawks like we did last year, round one. We smashed them in the AFLW. We smashed them this year in the AFL. So hopefully uh, the AFLW girls can do us a solid and uh, bring a smile to the face of a, of a lot of disappointed uh, Bomber supporters. Yeah, that would it would be nice, uh, nice way to get some feeling back uh, in our Essendon souls. So I guess we're frustrated. We've been ranting. We're upset. We're hurt. But uh, obviously, for some reason, we always still love the red and black. And uh, I think the off season gives us a good good time to uh, reflect a little and then uh, recharge for for next year, the senior men's, and enjoy the AFLW in the meantime. So, anything else to add, Brendan? Before we sign off for our 100th episode no no other than just to say thank you to the people who listen to the podcast this is obviously a passion project of ours that come kind of out of covid and kind of the tough time that a lot of bombers fans are experiencing with you know some changing of the list and you know the like but um yeah it's been really good to do this uh talk bombers i know this started as a idea of let's just convert our text messages into a podcast and and then we said okay we've probably got to tone that down a little bit <laughs> so i guess people can kind of understand that uh in some of the episodes where we've we've gotten belted we kind of lead more into our our natural uh <laughs> selves <laughs> but uh yeah always good to talk to bombers and i think i've said this in, in the past it, it could be worse you could barrack for cal <laughs> yeah that's true and uh yeah it's a good point uh thank you to all the people who listen we get a real kick out of knowing that um that this reaches you know some people and, and people seem to enjoy it and listen in regularly um that gives us a real kick and, and motivation to to continue doing it when the times get a bit tough in those losses and you know in your personal life and you've got things on and it's a bit harder to find time as you said it's a it's a full passion project we don't we don't get paid we don't have any fancy equipment uh, or anything like that. So um, it's purely just for the love of the bombers. And if that reaches even a handful of people, then, then that puts a smile on our faces. So um, good way to end our 100th episode, despite maybe not a lot to talk about results-wise. Uh, we got to the 100th, and I think um, that's a good way to end it. So with that, we'll say go the Dons. Go Bombers.